Today, I wanted to give you guys a listen to part of my show, The Search. It's a long-form conversation series exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. In this episode, I sit down with Vivek Ramaswamy, a New York Times bestselling author and entrepreneur in the biotech industry, where he's founded several companies. We talk about a bunch of fascinating topics, including the role of tech companies in society, how free markets actually work, why so many people these days seem to be opposed to free markets, and what are the limitations of the free market system. In this episode of The Search, we got into a variety of those topics. That included the differences between the populist right and the libertarian right. Plus, we discuss if Facebook is responsible for its own impact on the health of young women, if liberty is an ideal or just utilitarian, and more. Let's jump right in. Again, I have a lot of sympathy for the free market position, but the truth is that once you have private actors, and this is a point you've been harping on for a couple of years now, private actors that have been co-opted by public institutions and made an adjunct to governmental institutions and left-wing interests, if CalPERS is controlling BlackRock and CalPERS is a governmental entity, exactly, then Florida starts to have an obligation to actually sound off on behalf of its own shareholders That's right. in, in these areas, because otherwise you don't have a free market, you have a co-opted market. That's exactly right. And this is why I no longer call myself a libertarian. Not because I don't think the fundamental premises are necessarily correct as a first principle, but the market is cannot fix what it is not free to fix, actually. And so what I'm against is I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed. I, I don't consider myself an anti-libertarian uh, conservative in any sense of the word, but I'm anti-libertarian <laughs> with, <laughs> you know, with, 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 with blinders to the state action that's actually lurking behind the scene with a complete refusal to engage with correcting the effect of that state action, but while pretending like the status quo is actually the clean starting place and the clean whiteboard that the libertarian vision holds in store. So, so what I say is yes, if you have lurking state action behind the scene, it's the invisible, not the invisible hand of the market, but the invisible fist of government that is guiding the behavior of private actors, be they sensors in Silicon Valley who are responsive to government threats and right. government coordination, or private sector actors like large asset managers who are forcefully implementing in return for favors in return, agendas that could not be passed through the front hall of Congress, that is not the free market. Now, should we reimagine a system that gets rid of pension funds or state-managed pension funds altogether? Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's have that conversation. Should we, should we actually have a world in which we actually repeal protected classes? I, I was actually having a conversation about, I was actually reading an article about this this morning, about civil rights laws. I mean, I think Pfizer has this new, uh, this new program of fellowship that only certain races are eligible to apply to, or at UPenn Medical School, mm -hmm. and a lot of my examples are in the science world, but UPenn Medical School, one of the top medical schools in the country, will not require the MCAT only for members of certain races. That's insane. <laughs> but, but I can, I Soft bigotry of low expectations. Oh, I can think of no better way to drive actual racism in the country, where you think about a patient shows up and sees the color of a skin of a doctor, and the thing they wonder not because they were racist, but because they were an empiricist following the policy that right. implemented to want to ask to see the MCAT score because somebody has a certain skin color and not another. I mean, that is fueling racism, but let's put aside that, let's put aside the content of the policies. If you want to say that, okay, you want to live in a free market, great. Let firms make their own decisions without regard to race or sex or sexual orientation or religion or national origin. Right. Great. That's the free market working. But you cannot have a world in which you've applied all of those constraints on market behavior, then expansive judicial interpretations which say what? Now it's discrimination on the basis of race if you create a hostile workplace environment. Okay. Right. Now how do you create a hostile workplace environment? It turns out it's by creating 
and expressing viewpoints that may be hostile to a protected class, like a race or a gender or a sexual orientation, that the expression of those viewpoints can actually create a hostile workplace environment that itself is a violation of civil rights law. What have you done then? The law has created the very conditions for rampant viewpoint-based discrimination right. in the private sector while leaving political viewpoints unprotected by those civil rights statutes. I mean, this feels like a, just a broader pattern in nearly every area of American life and American politics is the hijacking of terminology that we all like yep. and then the, the destruction of that term and then the use of the term as the excuse. So if they'll say it's the free, so they'll, they'll say the free market is, is wonderful, we love the free market. Then they'll do a bunch of stuff that's not free market and they'll call it the free market. Yeah. And then when it fails, they'll be like, oh, the free market failed, which is the right, exact right. story of the recession in 2007, 2008. 100%. And now they're doing the same thing with democracy. It's like, well, we love democracy. Democracy is amazing. Also, the president should be able to, just with executive action, issue $500 billion in loan forgiveness. And that, that's called democracy, guys. And then when it fails, like, oh, well, democracy is clearly failing. We need more centralized authority. <laughs> I don't know, exactly. It's, it's, it's an amazing this game thing. of verbal jujitsu. Um, you know, I think Wittgenstein was the philosopher who famously said that all problems, all moral problems are problems of language. <laughs> I think, I think I, I, I'm reminded of how true that is every day. I do think that some of this is verbal jujitsu, but some of this is actually even legal jujitsu. So it's not just the verbiage in jousting the arguments in the marketplace of ideas. It's actually the hard impact of law itself. And the problem is a lot of you know, classical conservatives fall for, fall for the game. I mean, just to close the loop, I mean, I don't, like, look, am I actually in favor of adding a protected, protective provision to the civil rights statutes that protect political belief in the private sector to say that if you can't be deplatformed for being black or gay or you shouldn't Muslim be platformed whatever, for being a Republican? Yeah, for being whatever, a Republican. Yeah. Am I actually in favor of that versus getting rid of the protected classes altogether? Right. Part of hearts probably get rid of the protected classes altogether. But so long as you're a principled libertarian, right. Rand Paul on upwards, okay? Yeah. Who would not take that cause up, yeah. then I have no patience for your objections to the free market objections to adding political belief to that list. I totally agree with this. I mean, this, I, this is I, that, that's why I'm post-libertarian in that. No, that, that's right. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of conservatives is that the sort of libertarian basis of a lot of conservative thought is rooted in the fundamental idea that everyone buys in. That's right. And then it turns out that one side doesn't buy in. And so everybody on the right side of the goes, wait, hold up. It can't be libertarianism for us, free markets for us, but you guys get to wield the power of the state That's in right. order to do exactly what Dictate it is the free market. that you want. I mean, this is the point that Christopher Caldwell has made. In, yeah, I don't in, know in, him. Yeah. In, yeah, Christopher Caldwell made, made a, he, he wrote a, a, a great book uh, called The Age of Entitlement. Um, oh, I've and, heard of the book, and, okay. And in the book, he basically says, the, there's a second constitution of the United States that was implemented during the 1960s, right? In the 1960s, it took the constitution of the United States, which basically said, with all of its amendments and post-Civil War, no protected classes, everybody is on the same footing, equal under law. And then post-Civil Rights Act, the idea was, now the government gets to pick winners and losers, the government gets to reverse discriminate, the government gets to basically set up protected classes and then enshrine those in law in such ways that they are controlling what you can say and do as a right. private citizen. And so once you're living in that world, you're living in that world. And I think that you know, there's a phrase that's been used on, on sort of the post-libertarian right that you know, I don't agree with them on a lot of things, but I think the phrase is, is correct. You have to know what time it is. I mean, the, fa the fact is that people on the right very often refuse to acknowledge what time it is, and yeah. the forces that have been arrayed against them. And so they get very nervous about the, listen, I'm nervous about the idea of the government utilizing power on behalf of quote unquote right-wing interests as well, because again, yeah. my congenital belief is that the government should stay out of these things. But if the only ability, if, if the two choices are, we lose, 
or we fight it back to a standstill with the hope that eventually we get back to the libertarian agreement. I'm gonna pick the second every single time. I, I agree with you. So, so I, think, I think you and I are actually more, even more similar than I, than I know we're, we're mm -hmm. pretty similar in our perspective. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, have you noticed that these big tech companies are masquerading as privacy companies while they're taking all of your data? They have these things called incognito mode, and it's not incognito, or Google, Apple, or Facebook, they'll release a security feature in an attempt to convince you they're not actually collecting or selling your data, all of which is not really true. These free big tech platforms, they make their cash by selling your information to advertisers. I mean, they're allowed to do that, but you shouldn't allow them to do that. I mean, that's your choice. To protect myself against big text prying eyes, I use ExpressVPN I have for years. ExpressVPN hides and encrypts 100% of your online activity so big tech can't track you. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices. Just fire up the app, tap one button, and I'm protected. One ExpressVPN subscription covers up to five devices at the same exact time, so you can protect your entire family as well. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by Mashable, The Verge, and countless others. Get the VPN I trust to protect my online privacy when big bad tech is at the door. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben and get three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Again, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. So there's another interesting observation to make about these the sort of two branches of the conservative movement here. Uh, we just talked about sort of the, the, the content of the differences. I think there's another difference though that, that kind of complicates this. And you, you, if I heard between the lines correctly, um, tell me if I did, was sort of your implicit critique of the post-libertarian right might relate to this, which is that like the libertarian right can, can sort of argumentatively joust according to first principles. Okay, that there are, there's a set of principles right. that you know maybe at risk of being completely blind to present realities and a combination of not just the blindness but the lack of courage is actually what I call it to take up the mm -hmm. full extent of what you actually believe, right? Okay, I, somehow the Civil Rights Acts and the protected classes are sacrosanct and we can't touch them. Right. But we're going to pretend like the free market starts where those right. end That's right. while actually having the law create the very conditions for, for viewpoint-based discrimination, deplatforming, yeah. firing, whatever else it is. And same thing, by the way, we'll take the ESG-driven control of capital markets as given, but then somehow any, any everything push against outside that, of that movement, free market, yeah, yeah, everything exactly. outside of that's free market, that we have to flash freeze the present and then assume here and forward, that, that, that model doesn't work. So we, we, we talked about that. The problem with much of the, you know, the post-libertarian right or, or what you could call lowercase p populist right or whatever, is that it doesn't rest on a philosophy or, or a set of principles. Right. It's an emotion that is frustrated, correctly so, by the way, with the failures of courage and the failures of, of eye-opening, of opening one's eyes of the classical conservative sort of you know, neoliberal right, neo-libertarian right, but also frustrated with the actual victory, the winning that you refer to on the left. And so, so I think what we need, what, we, what sort of the future of the conservative movement demands is bringing the intellectual rigor of actually having a principled, ordered worldview from the historically classical right, but applying that to a starting point and a status quo that, that, that recognizes the fact that we're not starting from neutral territory. Oh, this we're is, not this starting right. with a whiteboard. And, and like, we as a movement have not done the hard work of defining what that affirmative vision actually is, as opposed to saying that, you know, fight back fight and get fire with neutral. Fire, right. like, like, you know, yeah, I mean, like, like okay, that, that might be like a short-term like strategy to a stalemate, but like where from there? Okay, the libertarian classical liberal Milton Friedmanite worldview had a vision of what that society looks like, okay? For whatever reason, the people who have espoused that mantle do not have the political courage, will, or ability to drive and recreate a worldview by undoing the damage that's been done for, for the last 60, 70 years of policymaking in this country. 
Fine. If we're then going to take that as given, what is our ordered worldview that we will advance as a North Star guiding set of principles of the conservative movement? I mean, that was, I, yeah. I will not claim to have done that in my new book, but that was, that was a project that I, that I at least attempted to begin in my new book that's coming out next month. But this is the conversation we need to, we need to have. I, I totally agree right. with you. I think one of the big problems that I'm seeing inside the conservative movement is the universalism of each of the sort of proposed ideals. So on the one hand, you have libertarians, and the idea is we should be libertarian all the way on up from the federal level all the way down to your local community. So if there's a if legalization of marijuana is good on the federal level, legalization of marijuana is good in your community, there should be a porn shop in every corner. Yep. And conservatives are going, are you, at, are you out of your mind? I mean, this is where I live with my kids. What the hell's right. wrong with you? Uh -huh. And then you see on the conservative side, the idea that, well, the left is winning, so we have to use every tool at our disposal at every possible level all the way on up from local, all the way up to the federal government. If that means that we have to grab power at the federal government and cram down our views of the federal government, we will do that without even sort of reference to whether that's realistic or whether that's counterproductive or, or whether you're going to end up granting powers to a federal government that you wish you hadn't five seconds later. Right, right, yeah. right which, which is the history of giving power to the federal government. And so, you know, I, I've, I've been reliant in my own ideology more and more on the idea that you can only have... You know, you know, that universalism essentially doesn't apply, that particularism is the way to go. What I mean by this... By levels that, of government. Yes, exactly. That, that you can do a lot of things at the local level in terms of government, in terms of, in terms of community building. All that stuff is not off the table. Like yeah, The libertarian ideal doesn't apply at the very local level because the fact is that you and your friends, when you have an HOA, there are tons of restrictions that you live under as an HOA. And I live in my local Jewish community. There are all sorts of social restrictions that we put in place with regard to one another that violate kind of libertarian prescriptions. If we see one of our kids doing something wrong, I notify my friends. If somebody yeah. falls short, I'm giving charity to their family. If, if I know that somebody's doing something wrong, I go to them and I chide them. We have people who are not, who just are not welcome at the synagogue because they violated the, the social precepts. The communitarian model works at the level, like if the family is the fundamental unit and then and that it's sort of like- Families are communist, uh, uh, right? Exactly, you have exactly. a joint bank account with your wife, Communist right? to communitarian to- that's an interesting And then as you abstract up, then on a practical level, because there is no brotherhood of man, because Americans hold less in common than Floridians and Floridians hold less in common than people who live in my area, you know, that, that as you abstract up the chain, if you wish to live together in a common polity, you're going to have to have fewer rules. You can't yeah. have as many rules because there's just less for us to agree on. And ironically, what's happened is that we've actually reversed it. So what's happened is that we've gotten very libertarian about sort of our local communities and very nationalistic about the top level of government. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, well, our local community, we've got to defund the police. On our local community, I don't want anybody telling me what I can do in the privacy of my own home. But on the federal level, man, I want the federal government subsidizing every single thing I do, regulating every single thing that I do in my house. Well, that's the area where we disagree on everything. So why are we right. granting extraordinary powers to a government that's distant from us and governs 330 million people? So here's what I love about that. Um, so I, need, I, I want to, this is a new idea. It, it, it's, 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 but it's, it's an, also a bit of a different take on liberty. It's, meaning, it's, it's an affirmative vision, though, and, and, I, and I love it. So, so, so is that the one I'm, I'm like 100% behind? Or not? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, need to, I need to process that. There's a lot yeah, there. I mean, the, I think that what that comes I'm down like, to also is a fundamental difference in how conservatives think about liberty. So conservatives tend to think of liberty as, you can think of it as either inherent or instrumental in terms of its value. Either liberty is good for its own sake, of course, of course. Yeah, or it's yeah, good in order to achieve something, yep. right? And so the the... I think that for too long, a lot of conservatives have fallen into the classical liberal argument that liberty in and of itself is an ideal. Yeah. And the reality is that conservatism doesn't argue that. It argues that liberty within certain boundaries, right, ordered liberty is a good yeah. thing. So how do you order that liberty? You order it more on the local level. Yeah. As you abstract up, you're going to have to allow for the possibility of more liberty because people in San Francisco don't live like people I got you. Yep. Yep. living in Alabama. Yeah, I got you. But the, the, the very core idea of how conservatives argue has been predicated on the wrong thing. They've right. been arguing 
instead of balancing liberty within particular roles and communities, instead of arguing liberty is its own inherent good. And so what the left has done is they've taken that and they've turned it in on itself. The right? liberty. We were discussing in another context. So, so everything I have said so far, I am high conviction in. I'm now going to say some things that I'm gonna tell you. Uh, my level of conviction in the things I'm about to say goes down, mm -hmm. but I think it's a conversation we need to be having to move the ball forward in the movement. Okay, so my concern, so, so, so what I love about that is actually a coherent affirmative vision. It, it also, another thing I love about it actually, before I get to my concern about it, another thing I love about it is, another reason I don't call myself a libertarian anymore, which is a totally different reason than the, than the failures of the individual standard bearers of the movement, which is what I discussed before, is that Libertarianism has nothing to say about what it is we do in that world that's unshackled from government restraint. Great, right. let's, let's say we snap our fingers and we got there. Right. Okay, what do we do as human beings now? Right, right. that's right. Maybe, maybe the Torah has something to say about that. Maybe the Bhagavad Gita has something to say about right. that, okay? Maybe the Bible has something to say about that. But, but libertarianism has nothing to say about that. That's right. And, and as a human being, as a citizen, as, a, as an agent in the world, as a thinking person, as a, as a person who aspires to be a moral person, I care about the answers to those questions in a way that a libertarian is not necessarily saying the wrong answer or the right answer, there's just silence on that right. question. And so, so the idea of, of you know, what you might call virtue, okay? Right. That, 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 becomes, that becomes pretty important for the full scope of the way a human being is to live his life. Mm -hmm. But it's, 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 it's even more important even in the capitalist worldview and, and extracting the virtue of capitalism That's itself, right. where one of the things that I've frequently argued to sort of, I would say, confused conservative responses, and, and confused for good reasons, is that virtue is not a product of capitalism. So, so there, there, are the, there are the true pro-capitalists who make the argument that that is the virtue, right? Right. And, and there's, there's a, it's a powerful case, and there's, there are aspects of it that I'm deeply sympathetic to, but I'm not there. I believe that Virtue is a precondition for capitalism to maximally do. Adam Smith absolutely said so. And people forget that about Adam Yeah, theory of moral sentiments comes before wealth of nations. before wealth of nations. Yeah. And not just in temporal sequence, but in primary thought. Yeah, primary thought. And so the question for me is actually, even if you think about the modern, it's interesting about that point. I mean, modern social media, I think, calls that bluff. What modern social media, the algorithmized version of it, manages to do is to take those human insecurities and to pick at them, and to pick at them so repetitively and so artfully with, with algorithmic force behind it, that it is able to take advantage of psychic insecurities that exist in the real world but are able to be amplified in the digital world that give us a window into your soul to know more about you than you know about yourself as a vehicle to sell you lots of stuff. And right. multi-trillion dollar industries built on the back of that principle. So, so, so when people say things like, you know, and, and Republicans are kind of confused about this issue at times too, but we'll say things like, well, Facebook knew that teen girls were suffering worse body image and security issues as a consequence of using Instagram or whatever and, and anger management issues on their platform and they didn't do something about it. I think that we actually risk falling into the same trap of the other side where to me, I don't want it to be a capitalist's job or Facebook's Agreed. job to manage female body image insecurity issues. That's the role of the family or religion or whatever. That's right. That is, that is the role of, of institutions that exist outside of the capitalist sphere of our lives. You know, I mean, a crude definition of virtue is, I mean, look, I think capitalism, I often say, delivers on its promise for a society most completely when our wants actually match our needs. 
and to the extent that our wants diverge from our needs, that can probably explain most of what you would complain about when it comes to the promise of modern American capitalism. And that delta, that daylight, might be a crude proxy for this word we call. No, that's virtue. right. That's right. I mean, the, right? I think that the, the, the capitalism, the one thing that the one virtue that it creates is through repeat iterations of honesty. Because if you jack somebody, then they're not going to do it. Yeah, that's true. It, it cultivates right. a lot of virtues. It cultivates, right. I mean, so, so. Responsibility, but, 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 rev, Because there's a lot of thought. individual lowercase v virtues. But, right. but, but I think of an uppercase v virtue, the, the, the cultivation of a human, um, you know, of, of, human, of a soul. Of a yeah, soul. That's, right. That's, exactly. That, 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 that pre-exists. No, cap capitalism is good at the things that it's good at. And this is why, you know, I've never been a fan of these sort of two cheers for capitalism mentality only because I think that you're asking of capitalism something that it never said it was going to deliver. Said, that it never said it was going right. to deliver. Like, when you ask that bad things, actually, all kinds of unexpected bad things happen. So, so, so we're there. The only, so, so now, the, the issue that I have, and I, I just want to think mm -hmm. through this stuff, but, but yeah. the issue that I have with your uh, sort of worldview of communist family, communitarian community, onward up with state and the nation mm -hmm. is, it's actually, it's actually, um, it's, an, it's, it's an elegant view, it's an alluring view, there's a lot to like about it. Folks, the conversations we do on The Search are some of my favorite conversations I have all year long. Vivek is a great friend of mine. The guy's really, really smart. This specific conversation got very interesting. The deeper we went, so you're going to want to listen to the whole thing. My favorite part about this particular series, The Search, is the fact it's a more casual conversation. It's an inside look into the private conversations I actually do have with my friends when I'm off the air. In other episodes, I sit down with Jordan Peterson, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, historian Neil Ferguson, and more. If you want to hear my full conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy and others, make sure to head to dailywireplus.com, become a member today. Trust me, folks, these are the kind of conversations you want to hear. That's dailywireplus.com, become a member today.